it is everything that my grandfather told me and my family that America would not be, and he was an American citizen. My imagination of America as this unapologetic, daring meritocracy, sparkling in its full glory, that's where I wanted to be. That was, in essence, my deeper calling. America is my home. I believe that America is still the land of opportunity and hope. Hello and welcome to the Alien Chronicles podcast, a weekly podcast about people's journeys to America. I'm your host, Sadia Khan. Every week, I invite an immigrant or someone related to the issue of immigration and we talk about their personal experiences in that realm. Our format for today's episode, however, is different. I am going to introduce you to three immigrant stories instead of one. Each immigrant will share their experiences in the U.S. in their own words from a different vantage point. You will hear from them what it's like to be an immigrant in the U.S. Each perspective is unique in that it unravels the complexities of being an immigrant through the lens of the narrator without any leading questions or any set direction. What I enjoyed the most about these stories was not only the diversity of experiences these immigrants brought, but also how they perceive the American dream their optimism, their struggles, their failures and successes. And the beauty of it all is how I could hear all the different accents in one episode, including mine, which to me is emblematic of what America really stands for. I'll be honest, when I asked them to do this episode, I could hear reluctance in their voice. I am sure the idea of condensing their entire life experiences in a 7 to 10 minute audio was overwhelming for them, but they agreed and I'm so glad they did because the end result is beyond my expectations. So without further delay, I present to you our guests for today's episode of The Alien Chronicles. My name is Mangojata Maria Wabno. I am known to most as Gosha, not a nickname, but a diminutive of my name, which to Spaniards is Margarita, to Americans, Margaret. In Greek, it means pearl. People tell me that that's pretty. I am 27 years old. I live in Chicago and I moved here permanently when I was nine. I became an American when 9-11 happened, and I had to worry every day after that that my mother, who worked at least a couple of times a week in a skyscraper, would face a similar fate as those who died in the World Trade Center. When I think about my immigrant experience in the U.S., I think about my name, and I think about death. My name because sometimes in classrooms it was stripped from me. And I was forced to be called something other than it in order to assimilate. In order to make the lives of people who did not want to learn how to pronounce it easier. This is before I had a voice. This is when I was scared and willing to be whoever my American teachers and friends wanted me to be. So that it wouldn't be weird that I was living here. So that life in Chicago would make a little bit more sense to my teachers, to my classmates, to my neighbors, to everybody who knew me. 
In French classes, I was Monique after a mentor who has been a tremendous inspiration in my life ever since I was a little girl. Now as for death, I am the daughter of two wonderful parents and the sister to two brilliant brothers. When I was in fifth grade, one of my brothers, who was still living in Poland, died. On Mother's Day, my uncle called our house phone and I answered and he asked to speak to my mom who then collapsed and announced to everyone that he was dead. And not having the papers that would allow us to come back, we missed the funeral. So I believed that my uncle was playing a cruel joke. And I kept waiting and hoping that my brother would walk up the stairs to our apartment and surprise us. That was the case until I saw a photo of him in a casket. And from 4,763 miles away, we had to mourn and learn how to live in a country that I now know doesn't want us. On January 6th of this year, my father unexpectedly passed away in a resuscitation room in the emergency room of Stroger Hospital in Chicago. He was sick, but he could have lived longer if he had a green card or a passport and health insurance. But health insurance is a luxury that we couldn't afford for him. He is buried in Poland so that he could rest by his firstborn son, And after every sacrifice that he has made for us, we finally had to make one for him. Meaning that my 20-year-old brother and my mom and I cannot visit his grave. We made a choice to not bury my dad here because life in America is more uncertain than it has ever been. The current political climate is the definition of hatred that brings anxiety to so many people. It is everything that my grandfather told me and my family that America would not be, and he was an American citizen. But reflecting back on my time here since 2001, I am thankful for the opportunities that were presented to me. I have made Chicago my home. I do not know America, but I know my city. I went to high school in this city. I learned how to drive. I became a woman. I met my heroes in this city. I went to graduate school and walked the same sidewalks as Barack Obama in this city. I learned French and Arabic and Turkish in this city. And I spoke Arabic and Turkish and French in this city. I fell in love in this city. I bought a condo in this city and adopted a dog from this city shelter. I was protected by my skin color, which is unfair and painful to admit in this city. But the reality is that I blend in in this city. 
What does American look like? We wish that it looked like everyone. But when police show up to shut down a party full of underage, high schoolers and PBR cans, they usually let the white girl go. Even though I am far more guilty than the black boy who they point a gun at or the brown girls whose IDs they always ask for. And the blonde, blue-eyed girl who overstayed her welcome and at the time didn't even have proof of identification is allowed to leave without question. That is the unfairness of living in Chicago where your skin color is either a luxury or a burden. At least, that's what people think. And this is my life as an immigrant, as a white, undocumented American. And had I grown up in any other city, I cannot promise that I would be American, which I am, in every single way except one. Hi, this is Prachi Dubey, narrating my immigrant experience for the Alien Chronicles by Sadia Khan. Before we get started on my story, I wanted us to take a moment and think about the word immigrant. What does it mean to us? And what does it mean to me? When I think about it, I feel, well, could it be a person who has moved from point A to point B across uh, national borders? Or could it be a person who holds a certain set of values? It's an emotion, something deeply internal. Is it possible uh, to be an immigrant in your own native space? And the other way around, is it possible to feel native, uh, to feel as though you belong, even though you're in a foreign land? In modern times, our planet has been segmented uh, based on geography and politics into these masses of land separated by borders, defined by governments. And your identity uh, can be condensed into a very dull, boring, and somewhat narrow definition that can be summarized on a piece of paper, or sometimes even a piece of plastic, uh, some type of government-issued ID. Now, location of a person's birth, a chance event, takes up a meaning of timeless permanence in their life, like a tattoo, like a tattoo we must submit ourselves to and we must preserve. Truly, what is the cost to break away? What is the cost to break away and reinvent our identity? Not just reinvent our identity, to honor the spirit, the honor the spirit of exploration, the spirit of design, the spirit of freedom. Or should there ever even be a need to want to do that? While we may have different ways of thinking about this, we may see the same issue from different perspectives in completely different lights. However, let's explore together and see if there's common ground. Now here I share with you my immigrant experience. I was born and raised in New Delhi, India. Delhi is the capital city of India. It's extremely politically charged and you know very busy buzzing with activities. Uh, dull is not the word you would use. It's, it's never quiet. In fact, I miss the noise. I, I miss the action. And our household was a standard Delhi household. Two working parents and busy would be the correct word to describe their life as well. 
My mother was a school teacher. She had a full schedule of before school and after school activities. She had studied science and economics. My father was a lawyer. He was working as an executive in a company. He had a very busy, you know, schedule, long hours, seven day week. Six of them were a part of his job. Seventh was voluntary, job after job. It was an interesting, exciting time, but at the same time, it was challenging. Now, living in Delhi, I think, is in itself a test of your character. It's a test of your sweat and intellect. If you're not one of those highly politically connected people or people who have large amount of inheritance, and my parents were not one of those people, it was a competitive environment. I would consider my parents as conservatives, fairly conservatives, both fiscally and socially but also uh, extremely idealistic, socially very responsible and committed, independent. In many ways, they were the definition of the industrious, the Lincoln version of America we all knew about. And somehow they had never internalized that similarity. This perhaps explains my subconscious bias for this country. After completing medical school, now you have to realize in India, you go into medical school after high school. So you complete medical school, you're probably 22, you know, 22, 23 at the time you complete it. So I completed medical school and my next step I, I thought was going to the U.S. for further studies. Somewhere in my late teens, I had already begun to think along those lines. My decision was my own, a decision of choice, a free will. Now, this was unlike all my prior decisions, which were somehow made for me, you know, by somebody who thought it was a good idea. It was guidance or coercion. But there was also, you know, this parental influence, which is also pretty typical of an Indian family. Nothing extraordinary and nothing I ever objected to. But this was my own decision, free will, no per compelling personal circumstances, no political crisis. And maybe that was the reason I felt I don't have enough to contribute in terms of this podcast, because there's no uh, persecution or tragedy behind my decision to move. I wasn't a stubborn nonconformist looking to break away. It was something intangible. It might have been also a few random events that happened in succession, but there is an underlying intangible desire. And I think that intangible was my imagination of America. My imagination of America as this unapologetic, daring meritocracy, sparkling in its full glory. That's where I wanted to be. That was, in essence, my deeper calling. It took some convincing to get my parents on board, and they finally did. After all, this was uh, not going to be a path of one return, and we could see each other whenever we wanted to. I came to Baltimore to study. It was a very refreshing experience. It was amazing, very diverse. Diversity all of a sudden felt natural, an unquestionable truth. Homogenous would not only be awkward, but pretty absurd in that environment. I worked and studied, you know, the study schedule was fairly flexible, so you could work as a graduate assistant and met people from all over the world. Already America was exceeding my expectations. It was exciting. Now, a bit about myself, and that'll give you perspective as to why I feel I belonged, at least in the American system of academia. Now, I am one of those people who have lived their lives at the center of divergent and unrelated interests. You know, a bit of this, a bit of that. 
a bit of everything and everything of nothing. Now, people like me uh, who live at intersections can feel anonymous. We can feel anonymous in siloed and structured landscapes, which um, expect you to excel in a singular domain. Now, America breaks that mold. It is truly the unstructured construct of human potential, raw human potential that allows you, inspires you to chart the uncharted. Now, here I'm about to get a bit poetic. You know, I feel as though America is this faceless statue of excellence. And faceless was important uh, here because the morphology of the statue could depend on my imagination. The key definition is, is, is that the edges are blurred. The edges are defined by blending and blurring and not by sharp separations and boundaries. And that, that idea sort of transcended the American life. And this was attractive for me. In the mix of all the brilliant students, I met my future husband, also a brilliant uh, 20-something fellow student from Lahore, Pakistan, uh, with a fascinating story of his own. I'm not sure how much you know about the subcontinent, but for a woman in India, Pakistan is a more distant possibility than America. For that reason, the second step of exercising independence for me was even harder than the first step. But come to think of it, only possible because I took the first step. You know, staying in India, that this might have never happened. Stepping out of my comfort zone, I decided to do what feels right. And I'm certainly better off as a result. Today, I think. Better off having met him and better off having visited the beautiful city of Lahore he calls home. I could really let go of my own set of ignorance, prejudice and you know, preconceived notions. It's very interesting. And it's funny in a way that ignorance sort of equally distributes itself. You know, it doesn't play favorites. We are all equally susceptible. It'll get us in different ways and without us really knowing. We have different ways of falling prey, but we're all equally susceptible to fall prey. I was able to recognize that. And it just so happened that I was also able to break away from that. We were both in our 20s when we got married. And without traditional bonds of commonality and family support uniting us, uh, we relied on love, mutual respect, and that has really lasted us, it seems, forever. There is nothing particularly unusual about my story. As a matter of fact, I represent a pretty common standard immigrant phenotype from the subcontinent. Now, going back to our initial question, what defines an immigrant? Maybe we need to stop trying to define it. Freedom from definitions is probably the way to go. It saddens me today when I look around and see us falter, see us drift away from our core values, you know, the distractive uh, buzz of divisive rhetoric. I really truly wish I could make all of this go away. However, it might be our turn to endure. And the endurance perhaps will allow us to be better versions of ourselves. Now, this is how I see America. This is how I feel America and absorb it. And this is how I wish to pass it on. I wish to pass it on to the kids, whether it's a kid in Montana or Kansas or Europe or Africa or, or that Indian girl across the oceans, uh, really busy in a small apartment somewhere. My name is Usman. I am a New Yorker. 
and will always believe that New York is the greatest city in the world. I love the fact that more than 800 languages are spoken in New York City, that you can ride your bike across the Brooklyn Bridge, that New Yorkers drink seven times more coffee than people in the rest of America, that you can find any type of food at any time of day or night in NYC, and that New York City is such a big melting pot, filled with so many ethnic micro-neighborhoods. When I was a kid, I used to visit the U.S. with my family during summer break. I eventually moved here when I was 17 years old. I have lived in the U.S. for the past 30 years. I met my wife here. I experienced the pure joy of becoming a father here. I got my dream job here. And I met some of my best friends here. People often ask me where I come from, and I suspect they're expecting me to name a country other than the United States. They are right in assuming that my ancestry is not American. I was born in Pakistan to Pakistani parents. But I lived there only a few short years, and soon after starting elementary school, I moved away. By the time I was 14 years old, I had traveled to 18 countries across three continents. I had learned to speak five languages, discovered the universality of people's faiths, and developed a love for food from all over the world. America was founded by immigrants and has always been the land of opportunity to all its people. Each of us came here for different reasons and with hopes of our own. While my experience is inevitably different from others, it is not atypical by any means. My journey to America was somewhat unavoidable. I came here to go to college, not because I could not have done so anywhere else in the world, but rather because I was probably ill-prepared to do so. During all the years that I lived in Asia, Europe, and the Middle East, I attended many schools and four different high schools. So rather than having to learn a new curriculum in a different language each time I moved, it was just easier to attend American schools. During the day while I was at school, I was immersed in American culture. And when not in school, I was surrounded by the rich local culture. I became a nomad of sorts. I still remember the beautiful summer day when I arrived in the hometown of Presidents Thomas Jefferson and James Monroe at the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains. I was a little anxious at first, but excited and really looking forward to college life. The years that followed didn't disappoint. I fell in love with the South, its people, and their warm hospitality. Some of my fondest memories are of the years I spent there and the friendships I made. I was invited to join one of the oldest social fraternities, where my brothers became like my real brothers, and my big brother still checks up on me all these years later. To this day, I still feel like a Southerner at heart. Leaving behind the peace and quiet of the South, I headed for the hustle and bustle of the city that never sleeps. 
I had always wanted to work at the United Nations, but discovered soon after arriving in New York City that getting a job there would be far from easy. With the optimism of youth on my side and my mother's prayers, I managed to find a temporary job at the UN. It was like a dream come true. I was walking the same halls as delegates and heads of states from all over the world, covering very consequential meetings of the General Assembly and the Security Council, working long hours and having the time of my life. I knew I didn't want this to end, so I literally went knocking on doors, handing out my resume, and trying to convince anyone to hire me for any position. Of course, most folks refused to speak to me and turned me away. And my future boss actually yelled at me for disturbing him while he was opening his Christmas cards. But as fate would have it, I ended up in his office a week later. He laughed at the irony of my standing in front of him again and offered me a job on the spot. The same person who had scared the crap out of me was also the one who gave me an opportunity to pursue my dreams and open the door to what would lead to a great career. The nine years that followed, working on his team, were invaluable to me. I was in my 20s and had been given the opportunity to work alongside some incredibly talented and accomplished people from all over the world, sitting in an office right inside the UN building, looking out onto the East River, in disbelief of how I got there. When I think back now, I still cannot believe I used to attend committee meetings chaired by Secretary General Kofi Annan. And I cannot forget listening to Pope John Paul II address the UN General Assembly, asking member states to fight against poverty defend human rights, and to build a civilization of love. In the years that followed my decision to leave the UN, I have been very lucky to have been given opportunities that have led to great success in my career on Wall Street. And I have experienced the joys and struggles of being a small business owner in pursuit of living the American dream. America is my home where I feel like I belong, and where I always look forward to returning whenever I'm away. I believe that America is still the land of opportunity and hope. But we all have to make sure that it remains so for our children and for generations to come. I would like to thank all three guests for sharing their story on my show. I was so moved by the depth of their experiences, the disappointment, the intensity, the hope and optimism I could feel in their voices. And sharing these incredible stories with the listeners is what makes my work on this podcast worthwhile. I would also like to thank all the listeners for joining us today. Those who have subscribed to our podcast, those who are sharing it on social media platforms you can subscribe to our podcast by going to whichever platform you listen your podcast on 
डोंट फिगेट टू चेक आर वेबसाइट एट डब्ल्यू 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 डॉट एलियन क्रॉनिकल्स पॉट डॉट कॉम इफ यू हैव अ स्टोरी टू शेयर और एनी न्यू आइडियाज प्लीज कॉन्टैक्ट आस एट इन्फो एट एलियन क्रॉनिकल्स पॉट डॉट कॉम यू कैन ऑल्सो हेल्प अस बाई मेकिंग अ स्मॉल मंथली डोनेशन बाई गोइंग टू पेट्रियन डॉट कॉम फॉरवर्ड स्लैश द एलियन क्रॉनिकल्स योर मंथली डोनेशन विल हेल्प अस मेक दिस पॉडकास्ट बेटर एंड आई नो वन थिंग फॉर श्योर आई कैन नॉट सस्टेन दिस पॉडकास्ट विदाउट योर हेल्प एंड योर सपोर्ट यू कैन फॉलो अस ऑन Twitter our Twitter handle is at chronicles alien and you can find us on Instagram at the alien chronicles please stay tuned for our next episode when we will bring to you another immigrant story and in the meantime stay connected 